Welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. We are back here at the NES Sports Performance Training Facility, and we are here with two minor league baseball players on their way up. We have Justin Guerrera and Dickie Kuja, and this episode's a little different because we have a few guests with us, but really, the mood of our, I guess, situation today is the culmination of love is grief. There is such a thing as good grief. Just ask my friend Charlie Brown. And we are grieving good today because these guys are on their way to spring training, which is a great thing, even though they're leaving us. So, Ned, do you want to kind of get us started, tell us what they did to prepare for spring training? We'll get your guys' thoughts on, on going, and we'll get into it. So, it has been a long off-season, as it always is. Uh, we are entering training month five. They're a week away. They're tired of being here. They've worked their ass off. Uh, tempers are flaring, and they get the itch, and it happens every year. This one's special, more concentrated. But, uh, yeah, they did a great job. Uh, there are goals in mind that need to occur. Uh, Dickie, a.k.a. Nicholas, Kuja is he's in and with us it's year nine uh as far as his professional career what year are you on seven no six six started in 2017 I don't count. 2017 he's been doing his thing uh he was undrafted by the padres and we'll say 2017 17, yeah. and he's now uh an eyelash away from making it to the big leagues um and our new guy is Justin who is going into year 2 and he was drafted 2 years ago with the Mets still with the Mets so we have one guy that should be making the big leagues this year and we have one guy that will be in with the Brooklyn Cyclones when he starts and hopefully move to double A but we have been going on this journey for quite a while uh, so it's hard to get everybody together. The old days, everybody was in-house, and now uh, Dickie is recently married. I heard that whoever married him did a great job, and he is in Mass right now, and Justin, his local, Tay, is in Albany, so it's becoming harder for us all to get together, and so this is a special day for me. So, uh Dickie also is the owner and CEO of Coos Pitching. Uh, I highly recommend any baseball players, especially pitchers, who are interested in improving their mechanics and learning from a very cerebral guy who's done a lot of different things to put himself in the best position to uh, make it. In a new business, JG uh, Hitting and Performance, uh, if anybody's looking for excellent instruction for baseball, but more for next season because he's leaving in a week, uh, feel free to reach out to them. So these are two of my guys that I've had for a long time. They've done a lot of great things. Uh, they've gotten to the highest level, not based off of their you know, genetic makeup. If you looked at these guys in high school, they weren't necessarily people that you were like, that guy's going pro. Would you agree, both of you, that you didn't necessarily look or were profiled as the person that was going to make it? Agree. I agree. Big agree. Yeah. So 
uh, they made it because they worked their ass off and did everything possible that you could do to get the competitive advantage and overcome the I'm too skinny, I'm too short uh, thing. And they did it because they want it generally more than anybody. So uh, if we're going to break them down, so Dickie was a pitcher for the Seymour fucking Wildcats. That's right. Seymour Wildcats, shout out to Seymour. Don't really like that city. It's the worst place to get something to eat. Options include McDonald's and what is that, hot tamales? If you want some marginal uh, Mexican. Why do you think I was skinny? Yes, he was skinny because there's nowhere to fucking eat in Seymour. So he started at Seymour. Um, I started working with him in 2014. We'll just throw that out there. We'll say 2014. 13. 2013. And uh, he was somebody that was a super hard worker, and he was 136 pounds. Uh, He took to the weight gain shakes and the concept of mass is gas and gaining weight, taking care of your body. I mean, he didn't just take the eating. It's, I mean, he already had, he was hardwired with the mentality of, I don't care. I'm going to be good. I'm going to make it. And I'll prove everybody wrong. So he took that mentality with, and I gave him tools for the toolbox. And then he ended up decommitting. No, he ended up committing to Herkimer Community College. Am I right? That's right. Conveniently located in Herkimer, New York. Oh, there's a city called Herkimer, (laughs) New York. In Herkimer, New York. I feel like his brother went there. Yeah. And then, fortunately and unfortunately, he was able to throw hard enough and decommit at the last minute. And then he ended up going to UMass Lowell and become became that D1 guy. Uh, flourished, not really, at UMass Lowell. Don't, don't go by his earn run average. But he had that 6'3 projectability and uh, intangible component, which allowed him to... Uh, throw hard enough to end up he got a a dickie you tell us take us through the padres thing so you're going through is your summer your junior year now yeah summer after after my junior season in the spring didn't get drafted so i reported to summer ball and then once i got to summer ball area scout texted me hey you still trying to sign you want to play so i said yeah and then the next day he said, all right, let me get all the paperwork done and talk to who I need to talk to. And then by that night he said, you have a flight in two days. Get ready and bring all your stuff to Arizona. So he came out undrafted and then ended up working his ass off and making it. He spent how many years with the Padres? 17 to 20. 17 to 20 years. You're older than me. No, it's 2017 oh, to 2020. 2017 <laughs> to 2020. Uh, I just with, go by uh, go by the years. I don't know how old I was or whatever. He was with the Padres for three-ish years. He ended up getting selected in the Rule 5 draft to the... What team do we not like anymore? Unless you get traded back. <laughs> First time was the Tigers. So Padres from seven, 2017 to 2021. Tigers... Last year, 2022, and now Rockies. Then got selected in the Rule 5 draft again by the Rockies, and he is headed to AAA. Two times, second rounder, hopefully AAA, but we'll see. I know, I was being optimistic. I know, me too. Uh, so 
he is right there and this is going to be his year um so it's been a long journey and uh looking forward to seeing him take it to the next level but the path of that journey uh a lot of people want to be great and they want to make it to the big leagues and be pros but most of the time you're not gifted with the perfect genetic code and if you don't then that means that you're going to have to do a whole bunch of work on a daily basis and it never stops in order to make it and both guys in the room weren't gifted with the perfect genetic code they have teammates that maybe have been given more genetically naturally and what i found is not to go on a rant but those guys might not work as hard so i'm going to be uh egotistical and say that i believe the two guys in this room generally work harder than most of the people around them whether that's true or not don't have your teammates listen to this but maybe that's just my biased opinion but they got there not because of what they were born with it's what they worked for you know to get to that point on the other end justin was a star at watertown high school uh three year all state maybe four uh little squat guy can't be over five nine are you over five nine nope five nine on the dot five nine uh (laughs) definitely picked up weights before i met him he was a, definitely had big biceps when I got him and a developed chest from all that working at the gym that I'm not going to mention because they suck and I don't like them anymore. But with Justin, I believe it was sophomore year. Uh, he ended up getting early offer from UConn. Was that your first offer? First offer was from UConn, uh, so- January of my sophomore year. January, sophomore year. So Justin's path was a little easier. They saw that they were either thrown out offers or they thought that he could have been the real deal. But fortunately he made the right decision of not going to Yukon and he went to not to be a Yukon hater. Uh, but he opted to go to Fairfield university, the stags, which I think are deers. Correct. Is a, is a male, male deer, male deer. I believe right. it has a certain amount of points on the, uh, on that little an- the antlers. All right. If you have enough points of an- enough points on your <laughs> antlers, you're a stag. So that's what he was. Uh, he had the uniques. That, well, they both went through COVID, but he was actually able to be in the heart of his college season um, years. And he went through COVID, came out freshman year, did real good, came out sophomore year, did pretty good. Then some COVID shit happened. And then when everybody was, you know, playing video games during COVID, I didn't mention Dickie's COVID experiences, but it all involves working hard while other people didn't do anything but justin opted to work his ass off and train through covid which sprung him into the magical junior year at fairfield where they went to the regional or not super regional 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 austin austin regional in texas played texas longhorns i believe it was we won 28 straight games to start the season and then uh from there lost our first game to sienna uh, made it to the MAC Conference Championship, and Ryder beat us out at that point, but we ended up getting that large bid to the Austin Regional where we had our first regional win against Southern, and then we got to play Arizona State where you I hit a bomb. conveniently hit a three-run home run, and uh, that ended up being the, the winning run to, to put us ahead in the end of the game, but uh, it was a really cool experience being that regional. So... And him showcasing himself that junior year 
put him on the map and allowed him to get drafted in the 20th round uh, by the New York Mets. So, and then he went to his, he completed his first year of this past season, and now he's training to prepare his second year. So, those are the intros of the path. So, the people that are listening to this, what we found is baseball people actually listen to this more than other sports. Um, so, if you are in high school or college baseball, and you're not necessarily the perfect height, weight, or mold, through tirelessly working uh, hard and staying locked in, which is really hard to do to come in every day and work your ass off and not take days off. It's almost like these guys are working 100-hour weeks with, with some of the things that they do. Um, it's the, There are things possible if you work out, but I think a lot of people think that, you're born, you go and you play, and I don't know, you magically get developed by the development fairy, and then you pop out and you're a pro guy and everything is cool. And maybe there's some guys that are like that, and they have maybe have teammates that the path was a little bit easier, uh, but the reality of it is to play at that level, and most people have deficiencies and they aren't the perfect model of what you're supposed to do, it's very difficult. So those are the two bios of the two guys in the room. I'm going to hand it back over, to the, even though I shouldn't be saying I'm handing it over because I should have my own microphone. But with our current setup today, what did you think about my intro? This is me taking over your job right now. Yeah, I, I was told this was going to be the biggest interview of my life, and I have been relegated, but that's okay. Um, yeah, long time uh, training at NES for these guys. Actually, when I first started, both of these guys were already here. So, uh, yeah, they, they do work really hard. Um, you know, being here for, for that long of a time is, is pretty something special. Does the relationship change at all for you guys being athletes? Like, is it just coming in here, you get your workout, you're told what to do, and then you just go do it day in and day out? Or, you know, as you kind of develop and mature and you kind of gain that trust, does, uh, does it become more of a collaborative effort? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, kind of going through my relationship with Ned, uh, I started when I was 14, uh, conveniently didn't actually want to start here. My dad forced my way through it because uh, I would, at the time, running track and field for the high school and doing my own weightlifting stuff. And Boo. I, uh, I thought that was all I needed. I was like, I'm running, I'm getting faster, I'm lifting, I'm getting stronger. But uh, my dad pushed me to, uh, to come to Ned and... I've been with him for seven years since, and he has been to graduation parties, birthday parties, family events, uh, recently engagement parties. So I think he's been to a lot of milestone events in my life. So our relationship has kind of uh, flourished over the years. While we're on that timeline, have you decided whether you need somebody to marry you or not? <laughs> I don't know if Loomis will uh, will allow that to happen. Oh, but... <laughs> she should want me to do it. I have a resume. I'm actually posting the wedding video tomorrow they, they on Instagram. Recommends. I have full endorsement by Coos Pitching to do. That's free. I mean, that's a good deal. I swear <laughs> that if somebody else marries you, they're going to charge you money. I think for those of you that don't know, Ned was uh, was Dickie's ordained minister at his wedding the last couple months. So For one day. For one day. I was the one day ordained minister for Dickie's wedding, which we were supposed to bring up. Uh, but what I'm going to start to talk about is when you're so many years deep, your children are going to, and I would say this is more with Dickie than Justin, but you start to, he's out 
you know, they're, they're in a spot where I'm not, I'm in the box every day. They're outside. Things are changing the way that I trained a professional baseball player 20 years ago and what they needed to do to succeed is different than what it is now. It's more competitive. There's new technology. Um, so as we, as I went through with these guys, it kind of turned into, you know, asking them for feedback and they will tweak some of the things that I do in here. And there's things that they like, and there's things that they absolutely hate. I mean, they're pretty easy going. Maybe another Kuja brother would be one that I would have to make more audibles and changes for, but it becomes more of a, hold on, collaborative effort in, 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 two people working towards a common goal to achieve the ultimate dream, which would be going to the next level. Whereas, you know, most of the athletes that are in here now or in the first year or two, I don't want to use the term dictatorship, but when you first start, there's a whole base foundational thing, learning the concepts and, and building the framework up and then piling on top of that. So, um, it is definitely, so Dickie, my question for you is, through the nine years, how the hell have we been able to not want to kill each other? Because I tell you the stuff that I don't like and don't want to do, and then Dickie's a great communicator. You say I'm a pretty good communicator. So I'll tell it straight. Would you like say that everybody is cerebral and is? I don't even know because I went to public school. I'm not really good at pulling out those five dollar words, but you're analytical. Is every pro pitcher is analytical? Would you say that's the right word? Is you cerebral or cerebral analytical? Like the two five dollar words you just pulled out? Are they all like (laughs) you? No, they're not all like me. So some guys don't want to know about anything, and they just want to get up there and throw or hit or whatever. Well, that's not good. No, sometimes it's good. Sometimes they don't overthink. So they don't overthink. Yeah. How much do you overthink? Occasionally, I will. Would you say you overthink too much sometimes? Yeah. And it affects you from a negative perspective. Yeah, the same way people that don't care get affected if they don't care enough sometimes. I'm a big overthinker. So. Yeah. And it has been in a negative way in a variety of situations. Justin, would you say you're... I feel like you're the position player type of guy kind of like dicky would you say you think more about all the shit that you do or less compared with other people at your level of play yeah i mean i think the the overthinking part of it's a big thing for me too it's also just like uh trying to get back to your roots and remember what got you to where you are instead of trying to become a different player than what you have originally been your whole life um so i think that's kind of a big thing going into pro ball and especially a harder thing for high school guys that go from high school to pro ball is not having that time in college to find out who you are as a player. So for me, I had three years of college baseball and two, if you count the year where I missed for COVID. Um, So it's like having two years of college baseball to kind of find yourself as who you are as a person and transition that into who you are as a professional player. Gotcha. If you had to give recommendations for high school players on what should be important when you're in high school and what to focus on to keep a normal path to try and get into college. What are some things that you think 
high school players, <clears throat> even though these high school kids aren't listening to the podcast because they're on Snapchat, but <clears throat> for the three people that are uh, 15-year-old hungry baseball players, what is the most important thing from a development standpoint and things to look at versus what they're focused on? I think I feel that sometimes kids in high school are more worried about day-to-day. They don't look anything past the day in front of them versus looking at the thing. Did you look long? You were thinking long-term during this whole journey, correct? Or were you just living one day at a time? No, it was definitely a long-term kind of look ahead of like, hey, I want to play professional baseball. I want to play in college. I want to be a four-year varsity starter in high school. Uh, So it's like kind of setting those goals for yourself and working towards those goals every day in some sort of fashion. And I don't want to sit here and tell everybody you have to do something every day. And that's the only thing that has to be on your mind, because obviously, especially high school guys, college guys, there's other things you want to do in life. But you have to make sacrifices for some things that uh, you want to do in the long term goal. And for me, that long term goal was playing professional baseball and ultimately making it to the major leagues. So having those sacrifices in high school of maybe you don't go on vacation with your family because maybe you don't go on a spring break trip because you have to play or maybe you don't do this because of that or just being being able to make sacrifices for things that you want in the future dickie did you sacrifice in your high school days in order to get to your where you're at now if you want to say sacrifice but i don't really think it was much of a sacrifice because i didn't care to if if what i wanted was playing the big leagues i don't have to sacrifice anything for it and i just do what i want to do to get there and you gotta set I think it's important to set set your goals right you have your big goal I want to play in the big leagues you're 16 years old set your goal I want to play in the big leagues okay how, what do I gotta do to get there well first I gotta get into pro ball how do I get into pro ball I gotta be as good as the other guys in pro ball am I that good now no okay maybe I need to go to college first and develop there how do I get into college who am I competing with in my peers to get to whatever college is gonna set me up to get into pro ball so it's like this giant ladder of set the big set the big goal, create smaller goals that are attainable through that, and then you hit your checkpoints, set your goal. It's the same thing as gaining weight. You're 170 pounds. I got to get to 175 first, then I got to get to 180, then 185, and get up to whatever, 210, 220, whatever you want to get to. And the only way to get to those goals is to create good habits because if you get to – it's really easy to go from your 136 pounds to 150 pounds. It's really easy to do that. It's really easy to go from throwing 70 miles an hour to 75, 75 to 80. But the higher you get up the ladder, the harder it is to do. So the better habits and the better routines that you have that you can always stick to and always go back to, you just follow those, and it's cruise control. Do you remember the off season where you had to train for six months to gain five pounds? It feels like it is every off season. Every off season. For at least the last five. I Justin, got to like 200 in college, and then it's been a four-year journey to get back to 220. So he currently came back at 202 and is creeping on 220. So year nine, somehow Dickie achieved another goal. But, I mean, what it sounds like is it sounds like a whole bunch of people create goals and timelines to achieve goals and expectations and actually have a structure and a long-term plan and how to get to those things, which is every snazzy success book that you read. Um, so the two guys that are in the room, 
said I they found out what their end result was and then they created a plan um, that they executed to kind of get to that point. And I have high school guys in here right now, but the annoying thing is if I ask them for their timeline and their plan, they didn't, they don't have what you, I mean, I knew that you guys both had that in your head when you started, but if I asked them, I don't know if they would necessarily even say that. I don't e I don't even know if it's in their brain that I want to be a professional baseball player. So how do you, and if you look, so I have a kid that's uh, going to Brian, he committed as a freshman, and he was farther along the curve. So he's a junior now. He was throwing 85 to 88. Uh, when he comes out in March, the goal is that he throws over 90 as a junior in high school. So, but if I asked him this question, which I'm actually going to ask him on Monday, and say he has no, it's interesting that he has, I guarantee you he's not going to be, he doesn't think that he can, he has zero shot to make it. And I, and if I asked him, he's not even going to bring it up. So I find it interesting that he's farther along the path than you are at a younger age, but I don't even think it's entered his head that, you know, he could potentially do that. Now he doesn't have the height that you do, but he does have the velo uh, for his age, but this sparks me to now I have to go in on Monday and talk to all these guys and ask them the same question to see if uh, if that's really in their brain as far as long-term goals. Unfortunately, I don't talk as much about long-term goals with my current uh, athletes because the type of athlete has changed than it was when you guys were growing up. People are, uh, the, the athletes now are a little bit more not locked in. I mean, he's locked in, but it's just the mentality is a little bit different because this is ever-changing. I've seen generations of athletes, and, and yes, there's hard workers in-house right now, but I don't know if they have that long-term view that you both had when you were a young age. And no offense, I mean, we got the picture right up there, little Dicky at 136. I mean, if you are going to be built like that, that clearly shows that you had – you were going you were going to do it and you created a plan to do it which is pretty cool so um what is what are your thoughts on everything that we've talked about in the past nine minutes um yeah i i think kind of what dickie said like when you really want something that bad you don't it's not a sacrifice if you're putting in the work it, that's really what it is like one of the things i wanted to kind of get into a little bit too was just kind of like what's in like the the secret sauce for ned like why do when people come here you know they're making these gains you know all this stuff and really in in my eyes it's it's because of the people who are in the gym like you know you guys are two of the hardest workers i've ever like worked out with when you get after it that's what you know kind of helps put you onto that path and onto the next level but if if you're just kind of complacent with like oh i come in here and i do my lift and I do the same weight every day for like a month, like shit doesn't change. So it's not like a sacrifice, but it's just doing what you're supposed to do. And that that's what sets people apart. But um, kind of moving on to the next thing, I know we wanted to talk about too, like college strength and conditioning. Because um, a big part of getting onto the next level is that college experience. So did you guys notice anything different in just terms of like work ethic or like workouts or what was expected of you 
coming from like training in here in high school and then moving on to college was it like harder doing those workouts or did something like was it like lacking i mean once you get to college it's you you see that your one strength coach can't manage 30 to 40 guys on a team and he's doing the best that he can with whatever budget they have and it's just him so the easiest thing they can do is print out a program use percent maxes or whatever tell everyone freshmen go use 225 sophomores go throw on another plate whatever whatever it is and just give you the exercise give you a demo on how to do it and then just tell you to go do it um and then the coach has to match you up with the upperclassmen with the lowerclassmen to you know hold them accountable and it's like the upperclassman isn't really a strength coach so he's not gonna like he could push you as a teammate but it's not it's not the same attention that you're gonna get from private you know private training in small groups of a max of eight i think is the probably the largest group that i've been a part of that you have um so you get one you get more attention there two he's putting in that's putting in more effort into each individual um because he only has eight per group he might have 30 40 guys at one time but he's breaking down he's got five to eight each sport he's he's it's his full-time job and uh he, he doesn't have 30 guys to have at 5 30 in the morning just trying to check a box and say yeah we lifted and then hit the sport specific with a couple band external rotations and you're good to go for for pitching so there's yeah. more to it than that yeah there, there, there i i can go on for days about it but i'm sure justin has a pretty similar experience yeah i mean the college rank conditioning it's a it's kind of a different world when you're it's your kind of your first time being in that atmosphere of group setting where it's like especially in college baseball it's like you're with your group of guys your group of, of friends that you hang out with for 75 percent of the day and it's like i think people kind of get lost sometimes in like ego lifting and trying to impress their friends or their teammates or you're trying to impress a strength coach who you think might relay some information to your coach if you're trying to win a starting spot but i don't know if that's really is the case or not but it is more of just like going into the weight room and somebody like myself or like Dickie, like we were pretty established weightlifters, I guess is the right way to say it. But we knew, we walked in the weight room, kind of knew what we were doing, knew how our bodies worked. And you're also in a weight room with some people that have never had guidance in the weight room and are just starting to kind of learn how to lift. So it's kind of just being able to manage what your strength coach is telling you, what your personal coach is telling you, what you know works for your body. And it, it, it is a really hard thing to manage, but um, having an open, honest conversation with your college strength coach is really the only thing you can do. And if he or she takes it in the wrong way, then you kind of have to manage it from there. When you had an open and understanding conversation with your college strength coach, I believe this was during COVID, where they were selling you, love Fairfield University, by the way, go Stags. Uh, but during that current situation, I feel that they had you on some two-week, 45-minute shit. Does that sound right? Yeah, we were. Uh, granted, it was COVID, so I, I will give them a little bit of uh, leeway with this. But it was uh, two days a week, I believe, 45-minute blocks. And the way that we were always structured in NES was you're deadlifting. You take the appropriate amount of time in between sets to, in order to maximize your next set. It's not netology. This is a crazy concept, but if you are lifting, I don't know, a four rep max or under, you need five to ten minutes for 
to be able to complete that lift. Not netology. This is not me. But you're saying that, yes, when you do a heavy deadlift, you need a rest period in order for everything to recover. And what I just interrupted you, what you're saying is that you didn't get that appropriate time, maybe because you were running a circuit where you had to do nine different things and you had to finish under a time block of, and you had to finish at a specific time. So what you're trying to say is there's too many people. There's not enough eyes watching you. There's not enough care or the ability to be as customized or personal with certain individuals. You got to treat everybody the same. Got it. It's it's basically the military. So they were being all like, uh, you know, nice and PC and shit. But if I had to recap what they said, here's the reality. There's too many people in a weight room. There's not enough time. They, there are strict time limits. I mean, some schools more than others. Some schools got to be out in 45, some an hour. Did you get an hour and 15? Uh, it's depending on the sport, too. I think that's a big part of it. Baseball at Fairfield doesn't pull in as much money as some other sports, so other sports are going to get priority over uh, the baseball program, but um, that's kind of the nature of how it works. But, yeah, during COVID, it was a 45-minute block, and then I believe outside of COVID, it was generally about an hour. Did you get more than an hour, Dickie? Sometimes we'd have a little extra time. Just depends if there's a team coming in after. I feel like ours was – if Did there was you, a time block on it, it was like an hour. If 45 minutes to an hour was enough time to develop an athlete, why wouldn't I have 60-minute groups? Do you know – I think I probably went on a rant. Do you know how much more money I would make yearly if I had one-hour groups? If you do the quick math, a little trim job. A little back to back, a little nine to ten, ten to eleven, eleven to twelve, total one. I could pump in twice the amount of people. I could be borderline rich. So there is amount of time that takes. I don't pick an hour and a half, which is a decently long session. I don't pick an hour and a half because I'm bored and have nothing better to do. I it's an hour and a half because based off of these programs that I've been designed. And honestly, there's times where we don't get out an hour and a half because if it's max deadlift day unfortunately when you're doing one rep maxes not netology you need fucking 10 minutes in between each set and you could only do so much bullshit in between those 10 minutes because i can't have you do 78 core exercises in between your one rep max because then your one rep max is going to suck so the answer is because there's 32 teams because it's specifically the sport of baseball they're all sharing a weight room. The uh, the coaches that are in there, how many, I mean, coaches did you have where they were one-year guys? I mean, did you go through how many strength coaches did you have at Fairfield, Justin? I think in my three years there, I had three. Dickie. I was lucky to have one. He Same somehow had one. Was he a GA or was he a full-time guy? He was a co-head guy of, like, the strength department. So most universities, all these guys use that position as a stepping stone. I'm going to go to Fairfield. My, my, my dream goal is to be a strength coach for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm just doing this to, you know, check the box and, and put my time in until the next opportunity comes. So from a long-term development standpoint, how are you supposed to? So we're, you know, every year that you come back, 
we can reflect and say this is what we did right this is what we did wrong you were at this weight you're in here now so i believe part of our journey to help get you guys better helped with the consistency of knowing the person getting to how about this concept to establish a close relationship with so when you have 40 people there is no close relationship because there's the x's and o's of strength and conditioning and improving someone's performance but part of improving somebody's physical performance is psychologically getting to know who they are what makes them tick what motivates them what pisses them off like not getting the cage up so there's all of these things what do you do and and i want to know that information because i'm not going at i'm not being the abominable ned and fucking snapping off on them because that shit's not gonna work so there's some athletes, in my opinion, you have you don't get to know the personal aspect of in how someone's hardwired in a two day a week or three day a week sixty minute session because our training sessions are an hour and a half. But how often do you guys get out of here in ninety minutes? Uh, maybe ten percent of the time. Generally, never. <laughs> so there is as much as we talk about you know getting stronger and getting more explosive and improving rotational power throwing cheese and hitting bombs there is another component of it which is who is this person who are their parents how are they raised what is you know there's the whole you know everybody in the room when i have these various groups not everybody has the eye of the tiger and wants to work their ass off and and take over the world which means, and we get into this sometimes because the people in the room, sometimes we might power rank the best NES athletes of all time. So if we are going to do that power ranking, the two people in the room are the top in the top 10 of all time. But sometimes if the other athletes that might be slightly less motivated are not doing what they need to, they get dictated as lazy. It's not that they're lazy. This would be a byproduct of... Uh, Dickie's brother but the reality of it is I'm not gonna get the two guys that are in the room with everybody that walks through the door because this is a service-based business and I am lucky to get as lazy as some of the people in the top 10 greatest hardworking people of all time although everybody can't be the top 10 greatest hardworking people of all time that doesn't mean that they're lazy it means that you guys work you are just special but it does. But if you take a little bit off of you, they're still really hardworking people. But you have to figure out who who's lazy. I'll weed their asses out quick. So the truly motherfucking lazy people, they either don't show up. I always get the hey, I'll be there on Tuesday. You know, I mean, you know, ninety percent of the nine out of ten people that walk in the room are pretty motivated. You have to be motivated to drive anywhere from justin has been doing a nice solid 35 40 minute clip for a lot of years now his is a little bit shorter dickie your drive was 25 most of the time anywhere from 10 to 35 minutes 10 to 35 minutes so the whole thing starts with i gotta get into a fucking car and drive 40 minutes to work out for 90 minutes to drive home 40 minutes so before they even go through the door but i'm i guess i should more focus on the people in-house but the answer is i mean I get good kids that work hard, that are hungry. It's all on a spectrum. I have all you guys on a secret uh, Excel spreadsheet 
of a top of the top 50 of all time never going to divulge the 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 answers because the shit bricks that are like 15 they're going to think that they should be one and we damn well know they shouldn't be one moral of the story is in college strength and conditioning it's who's doing the extra things to motivate there's bubble guys there's some guys that just need a kick in the ass and in college the guy that needs a kick in the ass he's just going to fall to the back you have your true degenerates. There's some level of true. De- did you have any, Justin? Did you have any, like, complete degenerates on your team? Yeah, I mean that was kind of something that I, as in high school, you always think it's like, oh, well, when I get to college, I'm not gonna have these people that don't care. Like you think everybody's gonna care, and then you get to that college experience, and you're like, damn, there's still, de- there's still degenerates here. So it's like, how do you kind of? navigate that and it's just sticking to yourself and doing your own thing but yes there were degenerates in uh my college career the sad thing is if you made it to fairfield and you're a degenerate that tells me that you you're you naturally were given a pretty decent genetic you had to work your ass off to get there but there's some if they were a degenerate at fairfield that means that they were generally degenerate in high school which means they just were blessed with a, a decent genetic code to kind of get right in dicky did you have any degenerates at umass lol yeah. they're not listening to this shit you could say whatever you know we had degenerates there's degenerates in pro ball there's plenty degenerates of degenerates everywhere there's, we they're good enough just, to get there just like you said i mean there's guys good enough to get there off of natural ability and uh god bless them that they're able to do it but it's like people like dicky and i that aren't gifted with that kind of like lights out talent and you have to put in more work than talent and that's kind of how you get to where you are but some guys don't have to do that and like you said earlier it's that's how they kind of fall through the cracks eventually or uh that's how some people excel do you know how annoying it is to be given and we're gonna even scrap college now it's do you know well you know this because you guys are working your ass off and you're next to these dudes that don't have to do shit and they're there and they might even make it to a higher level than you and they don't have to do anything that's mind-numbing. If you took your guys' work ethics and you gave it to an unnamed player on the Mets that is a – maybe you know a guy that is just unbelievable. He's – I mean, you're playing with prospects. So is would you say maybe there's a prospect that doesn't really get after it that is going to make it? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of guys throughout the org that are kind of like that. But I also think that they are as good as we think they are because they don't give a shit. And if they actually did give a shit, they would actually be worse than if they gave a shit because that's kind of the their natural ability. They're, they're letting their natural ability play through, and there's kind of a spectrum between how hard you work and how much you care versus how much you just let yourself and let your abilities take over. Do you really think that if that maybe slightly lazy future MLB star, you think if he worked harder that he would – that he could possibly – fuck up his flow and not be as good i think they might actually hate what they do if they they, think that they would kind of fall out of love with it and not want to kind of like be here anymore because they have to work too hard that's kind of just with everybody it's like there's some people that just in high school that are doing it based on their talent level and same thing with college and if you had to work too once you have to get once you get to the point where you have to work too hard some people don't excel in those kind of uh environments Dickie, do you do you think the same or differently? If you took your your Colorado Rocky first round draft pick, who just might be lazy as fuck, 
do you think that you could, if he spun it and 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 saw Jesus and and started aggressively attacking every aspect of his life, do you think that he would be more likely to maybe be like, oh man, this is I don't even want to do this. This is too much work, or so do you think that the perfect example is don't want to spin the basketball, the and as much as I fucking hate this guy, LeBron James. Ah, LeBron James. Why are you shaking your head now, Tay? Because I, I don't think, when it comes to, like, just, I mean, putting in the work and doing all that stuff, I I think there's a big difference between just, like, checking a box, kind of like how those college workouts are. Like, you know, we just need our athletes in here lifting. And, sure, like, you can get by on natural talent. You can check the box. Like, that's fine. Like, you can even, like, have great seasons and shit. But I think it, it changes, like, if your goal is to just be, like, you know, a pro ball player, like, that's great. You get it? Awesome. Like, you don't want to work hard? Cool. Like, you're living your dream. I get it. But if you have, like, more of a desire to go and win, I think that's where it's like, all right, now I have to go put in the effort. Because if you're just there to check a box and, like, be like, oh, this is just, uh, this is cool. I do my job. I don't work that hard. Like, whatever. But, I mean, with LeBron, it's like, I feel like he's just like, oh, like, I'm I'm a pro ball player, but I'm also the best. It's like, Dude, you don't fucking win. Like, sorry. Like, Jordan was, when he was coming up, he didn't win. He put in more effort. He started lifting. He finally beat the shit out of the Pistons, and he beat the shit out of Scottie Pippen, that fucking bitch mentality that he had. I like that. So, you, you know, it gets to a certain point where it's like, yeah, it's cool to be there, but, like, maybe you should try and focus on, like, being good and winning. Well, we all know that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time, first off. <laughs> and I hate LeBron James, uh, but he is somebody who's been given, he was given the, the absolute perfect genetic code, and I will give that piece of shit credit, he works his ass off. So what he did is he took the perfect genetic code and trains his ass off and does things like you know, rest days and things like that. Which, as much as we've talked about this on the podcast, Dickie, have we ever talked about LeBron? Oh, yeah. All right, so we're going to get <laughs> I'm off. I'm glad you asked me the question and then went on a uh, Jordan <laughs> LeBron rant. <laughs> I don't even know what the question was anymore. Something uh, about lazy people and whatever, if they worked hard. Do I don't think, know. Do it, it's a crapshoot. You would I, think the kid with more talent would, if he put any harder work into it, that, you know, he would be better, whether he cares about it less or more or whatever. But there's always the spectrum of talented people who are good and they just play until they're not good enough anymore and don't work for it or there's guys that don't have as much talent don't have the genetic code and they work their asses off and don't make it as far as those guys they don't make it into pro ball they don't make it into college baseball whatever it is and it kind of just sucks for them but at that point again if you create good habits and you're a hard worker then baseball doesn't pan out if you pick something that you enjoy and then you work hard in that and do the same thing and use the same habits, you'll be completely fine. Once again, establish habits and goals. There's many books on there that you guys could go on Amazon and read. For I don't that. read any books. You don't need to do that. Don't read books. I actually did a business meeting. I was pitching uh, IAP, which is one of my former facilities, and I created a two-and-a-half-hour PowerPoint presentation on creating my business. Uh, read a lot of books doing it. 
and I was with these two guys that were at a local gym and they were like 50, 60. Their way that they made their gym super successful was they were good people. They opened up a gym. They were nice to people that grew. Then they took on more space and more space before you know it. These guys are multimillionaires. So I'm sitting in the room with the multimillionaires pitching, you know, IAP and the concept and the training and all these things. And I get done with, and with the PowerPoint presentation. At the end of the presentation, there was actually like, I don't know why we put this in there, but there was like five books, Napoleon Hill and a whole bunch of motivated books about goal setting and habits and whatever. And the big takeaway was, as the multimillionaire said, he said, books, he said, fuck books that threw me off i was like what he's like, i don't fucking read books and i'm like okay so i guess everybody doesn't need to read books but uh i don't know how to read books to get smarter i just don't wing it um so um to do a little to kind of move in a different direction what i was wondering was or what i wanted to bring up was we covered the college training and conditioning thing um is i call it performance meatloaf and this is super frustrating for me, but um, what the world is today, and, and I'm just going to speak in my, my genre of, of my career, but the big thing is people are all about likes, follows, and nobody wants to generally work anymore. They all want to work out of their basement. A lot of these guys, it's like, hey, there, you're in the TV room, you're in the family room right now doing your video on the three best ways to get faster. And performance meatloaf is where you are a performance guy or a strength and conditioning coach and you go on Instagram and then you look and watch all of these videos and then you decide that, well, I train athletes. So you take a piece of, you know, 15 or 20 different sponsored ads or reels and you put it together and basically the program that they're running are 20 different programs with you know, no rhyme or reason about it. And people create the best three ways. If the best three ways to get faster were something that I could do in my basement, why wouldn't I be in my, why am I, why am I in on state street right now paying, you know, inflated rent and driving 20 minutes. If there was really three ways to get faster why wouldn't I just be in my basement showing the th people the three ways to get faster? I could, I mean, the commute drops considerably. Uh, the, the overhead, there's none because you're using your fucking mom's internet. So why do you think, and you, because part of this ever-changing, you know, cycle of nonsense, what is becoming big now is remote training is huge. You know there's no big basher of remote training than I am. With that being said, NES remote training is currently being uh, rolled out for uh, Coos pitching because he is in love, married to his wonderful wife. Does she listen to the podcast? Nope. Come on, man. <laughs> so I could have called podcast. her a bitch and it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> All right. So Dickie is with his wonderful wife in mass doing <clears throat> the NES remote training. The difference is he had mm, a whole bunch of years to where he learned how to do it and knows how to do it and is proficient in it. So I don't want to say I'm, a, I'm not 100% against remote training as for performance training, but it requires an um, amount of, to of time in-house to prepare for that. But what we're getting is 
uh, people where that maybe they'll drive to a particular place and sit down with somebody for an hour and then they do an evaluation that never gets retested and they get this is names not to be well we could bleep it out but i'm not even going to say the name but basically i am getting every baseball player that i'm getting right now because i sit down and i i don't know talk to them and and ask what they've done and what works and what doesn't work and i'm nine out of ten people have done this specific remote training where they go somewhere for a month and then they spit them out and then i was like well where are the vid like they don't even have videos of themselves doing the thing i'm like how do you know if you're doing it Believe it or not, when you do exercises, there's like a right and wrong way to do it. It's not because why the hell am I here every day if you can do anything however you want the way you want to do it? Couldn't I just have an intern in here running everything through? So that I am getting a lot of this. And the good news is, I mean, I get more business because what they do is they try this remote programming and performance remote programming and they don't get any results with it because my specific business i'm not a baseball mechanics guy because the best remote program ever is Cooge pitching if you're looking to get do you like this shameless plug if you're looking to improve your you know mechanics from a perspective but my own personal belief is if you're doing a performance type thing there is no three things to fix anything and if remote was really the best way to go, I wouldn't. I would just be at home doing remote and telling everybody to do remote. It's not because I want to see people and interact with people every day and have the new age of kids shit bricks that can't fucking remember shit more than five seconds after I tell them. Why would I want to put myself through all the stress if I really believe that remote training was the answer to the be all end all? Why is why is remote training uh, blowing up? You guys are new. Who's pitching has fifteen thousand followers. Uh, Justin had some sort of post, got like a half million fucking people to watch it, and I'm sitting here in crusty North Haven. Why is everybody all about? Why is everybody all about going to this unnamed person? Because then they don't have to drive your twenty minutes to get here and then leave. They can do it in their house or go to the gym that's five minutes down the road. But do they really believe that? That if I just do this? They think it's in the program, not in what they do. So they get one program, they do it, and it's like, ah, that didn't work. Go get another program. Ah, that didn't work. Go get another program. And then they did five programs, and then they just pick what they like. And then then they they come to me, and we fucking lost four years. Yeah. And it was COVID. It just made it boom. Oh, COVID. COVID blew up. So everyone and their mother Blew up remote. Remote. Because every asshole in America is like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? I have to try and make remote and then those lazy assholes you know covid's over bro like you're still trying and and i have gone through so i'm watching now you have personal trainers who are selling their remote training program so it's basically a guy who doesn't know his ass from his elbow has created a model on a system that New trainers are supposed to go pay him so he can sit in his basement Mm -hmm. and teach this guy teaches all these other people who are lazy and don't want to work how the bet this is the best thing to do. And you see, see, am I the only one who's seen these sponsored ads? Tay, have you seen them? Yes. So basically, this is what they say. It's like, oh, do you have to go into work every day? (laughs) Do you have to deal with people? Is there, I mean, do you get frustrated if somebody doesn't come in? 
did you know that you don't get paid if they don't come in? Are you tired? Of, do you really, do you want to make a quarter of a million dollars? Are you trying to, are you tired of working 50 hour weeks to make 40 grand a year? If this is you, I have the solution. And the solution is I'm going to teach you what I did. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And I'm going to teach you guys a bunch of bullshit. And you're going to sit in your living room and you're going to do fucking Zoom. Zoom stock had to have gone down. Or is the world now just all remote? Uh, I saw a commercial the other day for for virtual uh, work. And I think it was a meta commercial that they were telling people that they can do remote Work, virtual reality work now from home i don't know there's there's too much for me to keep up with this ass clown is try, is recruiting and now trying to sell the concept of how to do the remote training for other lazy people to do remote training it's a pyramid scheme it's a multi-level pyramid scheme. i was a part of a pyramid scheme it was <laughs> it was called quick star i actually googled it last week i gotta tell you this story i remember this story so I start, I can't get sued, right? It's If you Google Quickstar, it says it's a fucking pyramid scheme. So, <laughs> multi-level so, marketing company. Multi-level marketing company. So I, so they're like, Ned, were you interested in making, because I'm working 60 hours a week making 40 grand a year. And they're like, Ned, how would you like to be able to patty another 40K on that and do it from home and all this shit? And at the current time, I was with all my guys from IMG Academies, smart, heavy hitter, smart guys bomberito performance lauren seagrave all of these heavy hitter guys and i was like 25 and they were basically sold me this concept and what you're supposed to do is and and you never knew what the the real you know nuts and bolts of it was but they were basically pitching financial freedom you're your own boss because nobody wants to work for a boss like me that yells all the time and they're like, this is what you got to do. And it was like real motivative. And then they you, they bring you into a room. And then this specific one it was like, this is what we're going to do. You're not going to buy Crest. You're not going to buy Charmin. You're going to buy, all you're going to do is buy products from this specific company. We make everything you need. You need to brush your teeth? We got the toothbrush. Need to wipe your ass? Got you some toilet paper. So you pay a nominal amount of money. And then you're like, all right, well, how do I make money? And then they bring out these spreadsheets and they draw some diagrams and shit, but they never tell you how you're going to, but what you need to do is get more people. So I had, so they get people and then I had to go find 10 people. I don't even have 10 friends. So I was able to scrape up one, but I knew this guy needed to sign up. He was one of my former coaches. So I bring him in and then I'm telling, I'm like, don't buy the crest, man. You got to buy this generic shit. It's the same price. But you just got to know that we're going to be in our on yachts in like four years. Just follow me with this. So I'm with my special family. They they then created the revival. I call them revivals. So the revival is where um, everybody wears suits, black tie event, never even fucking worn a tuxedo, didn't also, didn't have one, had to look like a hillbilly from Indiana. Everybody had like ties on and like they went to prom and shit, never went to prom. So we go to this revival and then every, then you get these guys on stage. You, Dickie, you might get roped into this at some point in time. You got to know, just say no. So I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm a thousand dollars deep into hotel rooms and, 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 and airplane rides. And, and there's these super rich people. At least they said they were super rich and they're on the stage. The, the bad pop music is blaring. Everybody's dancing 
And it is just a grand old time. It was a party. So they throw this big party for a weekend and then get everybody all geeked up. And then it's like, all right, you got to go recruit. Got to get more people to sign up. So I'm going through. It's month two. Get my, my big paycheck. I'm like $9.82, man. Ned, you can't look short term. Ned, you're looking day to day. So they take the shit in the books, like the good shit in the books, whereas you don't live day to day, look at everything long term. And they're like, you're making $9.82 now, but you wait five years, yacht. Like, all right, <laughs> month two. $10.12. I'm like, at this, I'm not, you know, I made, I didn't do calculus, but I started tracking this shit and I was only up to like $22 after six months. And I'm like, how does the, how does the money come in? I'm like, cause what I got to finance is the generic crest, the one ply toilet paper and the, you know, the hair products that my fiance at the time and now wife didn't want to use. I'm like, you don't need that shit, man. You got to go back to the basics. So I'm selling all your shit. I'm out here hustling. The dude, the two people behind me, they want some answers. Like, Ned, you know, $9. I'm like, bro, me too. I was there like six months ago. <laughs> so everybody's getting pissed off. But you better come to the revival. You come to rally. Shit's going to be crazy. Man, I don't know, man. It's like a thousand. I'm going to figure it out because you got to go. So I did this shit for like nine months. And then I just got to the point And I'm like, I'm like, I went to like the important. I'm like, I'm kind of getting cold feet. They're like, we're talking about cold feet. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm working hard. Like, I'm spending extra money on this shit. I'm making like $15 a month. And I'm like, can I, I just need like a couple hundred dollars. They're like, you'll get there. You got to get more people. And it was this eternal hunt. I don't know a lot of people. Like, I'm generally introverted in nature. And they're like, Ned, don't do this to us. So they were like family motherfuckers calling me on the weekends. And then this is this a side tangent. Are you putting your head down and, and covering your face because this is bad? I, I, I've just never been involved in a multi-level pyramid scheme before. <laughs> this is important for uh, this is more important than anything that I think we've talked about, because at some point in time, you guys are going to get recruited. The end result is these guys that were basically my family. When I told them, I'm like, I'm out. Scrapped. Done got mad as fuck like ooh, and i was like i'm sorry i can't do it right now bubbles in the meantime my wife fiance at the time she told me six months ago you need to get the hell out this thing is like a cult and i'm like i'm like sorry guys i'm like this there's nothing better than this business but it's not for me and they got mad as fuck i was getting repeated phone calls text messages I guess you're not made for this. And it turned into this fucking bully approach and they belittled me and were pissed. And I got fucking shunned and never talked to any of them again, but we were family man, Raleigh, the bad pop music. We were partying in fucking suits. I thought we were, I thought we were close and it was just a bunch of fucking bullshit. So remember if anybody talks to you about making extra money, side job, 40,000, hundred thousand in yachts, Shit doesn't work. Quick star. Quick star. They can't sue me. They get sued so much if you Google them. They had to change their name. That would be like me being NES getting sued for a bunch of bullshit and then calling it SEN. That does work. 
And just different name. Different name, same pitch. Different name, same pitch. Don't do multi-level marketing schemes. Where did that get spun off on? So what, so basically what you're saying is there is no quick fix. There is no quick fix. Thank you, Bang. Justin, for uh, wrapping that all up. <laughs> so the moral of this story is... If you're the, broke, there is no quick fix. No. If you suck at a sport, there is no quick fix. No. it's it's People don't want to hear. People do remote training and all this bullshit because it, it fuels their laziness because they don't have to drive they don't have they're doing it on their own if if somebody's if you're working out at home who's going to tell you to go up and wait you don't got to do you are the only person that knows is yourself and it's easy to it's easy to push the blame on somebody other than yourself because like dickie said if program doesn't work it's not your fault it's a program's fault program's fault and so you don't take accountability for your lack of hard work or desire or whatever it is and it turns into uh it's their fault not my fault so what the world has done is they're looking at the 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 way that people think which is people are inherently lazy overall not the hard workers but the lazy ones so they sat in a room and they said i'm lazy they're lazy what can we create to make money for us lazy people? And this is what it is. I'm going to be lazy and create some videos and shit because anybody with a phone can take videos of things or I'll have people videotape me, the tripod, really, because these operations in their fucking living room, jumping over hurdles uh, and talking. The three keys of getting speed don't involve running. Go look at the next sponsored ad, the next threes of, of, of speed. They don't run. You know why they don't run? There's nowhere to run unless they're, they're in their basement. <laughs> and they're in their basement. What are you going to do? Run six feet to the wall? Part of becoming faster is you actually have to run. But people don't want to do this thing where you actually have a space where you run. So what the promotions and the performance meatloaf is, is it's performance coaches who don't know their ass from their elbow because they don't want to read books and learn and unmotivated individuals that don't want to drive to training and really train hard and they are feeding their bullshit to the lazy people because if you're lazy and if you're home and all you're doing is remote training just want to say if you are a motivated individual come to nes worst performance located in hamden or hamden connecticut uh but it's it's lazy people that are passing things off to lazy people. So my question is, is this the world? Is eventually NES going to go under because the world is just going to switch over? There's not going to be real humans training athletes, and it's all going to be people just doing things at home and all communicating through Zoom and videos. Is that where I'm headed? Because I'm old and you guys are young. 15,000 followers on Instagram. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> that means you're young. <laughs> does it? Or does it mean that I worked hard and persevered? Both. <laughs> but you're hip. You're cool. I'm not cool. People make fun of my shoes. $43 Under Armour. Kids talking shit about my shoes. This guy's got Jordans on. <laughs> so what is... Can you tell me and teach me? Do I have any job security? Or is... Am I going to be the old guy bitching about the new generation in 10 years? 10 years? You're already doing it now, though. Huh? You're already bitching about it now, though. I know. In 10 years. Am I going to be out of business by the guy that I just talked shit about? No. In person will always be the best, and it's not going to go away. I think the, the fixation on the remote training, and there are benefits to remote training for certain people, and there are 
obviously reasons not to be remote training, but just because of COVID and the the nature of how the world is now, it's such a digital world, and you have so much access to information at such a in a few clicks. Um, I think the biggest thing is kind of for those like high schoolers out there listening or middle schoolers or whoever's listening, just get if you're getting a remote program, just get vetted. Like do your own research on who you're getting the program from, what qualifies them to do it, um, and not just because they were a strength coach at your favorite team for one season. Were they? Do they actually have uh, some skin in the game? Do they actually care about you, or are they just trying to make some money? Do your research. You know, people don't think I went to school for this, right? It's most, a side job. Most <laughs> Hobby. of the. The kids who walk in right now, who the fuck goes to a guy? I could be a pedophile. I could be a murderer. There's so many bad things that I could be. Wouldn't somebody just fucking Google me? Is this crazy? Please tell me you Google people before you I, like interact with them. I, yeah. if, I, if I was giving you uh, any sort of money, I'm going to try and Google you before I give you money. How come no one, literally no one knows that I went to college? Nobody knows anything about me there are kids literally on monday if i give a quiz and say like do you know any like did you ever read my bio 90 percent don't read the bio go That's boiler what, makers go boiler makers <laughs> they're i'm sure they're going to lose against another un, unranked team on uh, the next couple of weeks and if you want to if you want to win from a financial sports betting component you would want to bet against purdue for that team to cover because they stink but so yes no the reality of it is here's the thing there is there actually here you go here's a defense there's actually some good material and there's people doing good things on social media like who's pitching like who's pitching but i'm talking 100 percent purely performance related the problem is do you the percentage of people that can actually take that and use it to help them is a super small percentage. Do you know someone that could do that? I can do that. So I can look at anything on the, on Instagram, determine if it's good or bad, and how to integrate it into my program. But that's because I spent 20 years of figuring out what's good and bad and knowing how to implement that into a periodized, organized plan and, and profile. It's annoying because there's some things that are out there. This is my own demons. There's things out there that I want to do. They actually fucking figured it out. And I don't want to do it because it is, I will start to look like them. Does that make sense? Now, they're doing the right content, but it still shouldn't be put on that platform. And I'll give you an example. So you'll see a super athletic, either a pro guy or a former pro guy that is running around and doing like a super high advanced plyo. And it is a great progression for my guy that I've had for nine years who's going to become a pro athlete in his last month of his season to prepare for the NFL. But he is putting that out for Jimmy fucking dick face 12 year old kid who's going to fucking snap his ACL. So there is content, but some of it I don't want to use because I'll start to blend into the sponsored ads. But if you don't have the 20 years of experience to know what works, I have people that steal my content now. Oh, so 
you're doing the they'll steal it and use it the same day so you're going to take this exercise that i'm doing specifically for a guy preparing for mlb spring training on february 1st approximately 20 saves 27 days out from his taper and that so that's for him and you're doing it with your fucking 15 year old kid who's just in for one session so you could put him on the gram who's on fucking level one you're doing a level 25 progression on the snot-nosed kid that came in on day one you're gonna fucking hurt him so my frustration is like they don't know even if it is a good quality content is it the right person at the right time there's so many variables that goes in if anybody knows about what goes on on a training day, I'll write a program for you guys at 10:10, and I'll send you a fucking message at 10:47 that says "scrapped." Uh, I'm audibling in real time based off of the mood states of the athletes that I have in house. So how the fuck are you gonna take my shit and use it for the fucking 15 year old kid that's been here on day one? That's the problem with social media is people don't know what the hell they're doing their performance meatloafing and putting 25 fucking exercises together and spitting some shit out because and they're also doing the flashy shit where you know it visually looks good nothing boring than an nes story if unless it's like a running gun or a fucking heavy deadlift day just some crusty old motherfuckers doing work and i will give a shout out to uh, I don't know, Mike Boyle or Cressy, because they are good at pointing out. It's like the stuff that works that helped get you guys to where you are is generally the shit that I don't even post anymore because my shit's already boring. And they're all the stuff that really is the fundamental foundational pieces to build on top of to make you great. It doesn't even get put on social media because nobody wants to see an athlete doing a tube walk, standing there. But it's just boring. So my Graham story is boring. Um, but I try and stay true to, you know, what we're doing. What you get when you look at my Graham story, it's literally the program. It's the actual most of the pieces of, of what we do to put everything together. And then I got another one. Some asshole was like, they're doing running. And the running mechanic looked like shit. And then they were like, why would you post that? Because what NES is, is we fucking develop people. I don't get how many Vandy people, how many Vandy guys have you guys trained next to recently here at NES? None. I don't get the perfectly developed first round draft pick guy. What it is, is when you look at my gram, you're going to see the kids first day where we're hiding what they do because they can't do shit right. And they generally look like shit. No offense to all my first time uh, athletes. And they see a fucking cleaned up version because if it looks really bad, I can't put it on there. But what you see is, you know, like I have my hand and haul off season football right now. And you saw their first start look like shit. Eesh. Hopefully the, the common eye didn't notice it. But if you watch my, there are people that have been watching my Graham story for 10 years now. You get to see, I mean, Dickie, you were too old. And you guys in the first generation, we didn't start gramming until Hamden, but. What you get is a kid that you get it's it's really a real time, you know, development of a player. So if you if I showed you a video of the guys on week one that are preparing for their combines and their forty yard dash and you watch their start now, 
um, what you'll see is they're better. And then when you see the video, you're going to see a video of them in March and in April and April 15th. And then it's going to look really good. And then you know what you're going to see? You're going to see a video of them running a fucking 40 that's three tenths of a second faster in a PR. That's what you get. But what you get in the beginning is that sad looking fucking shitty start because that's what it is. Because when you were in house and you were with us, you get developed. You're going to see the skinny guy. You get to see the before and afters. I just posted before and afters. You saw their little anorexic asses on the left side picture. And then you get to see them 10 weeks later. And you get to see on the Graham story the process of what they did to get to that point. What do you think about that? Was that pretty good, Tay? Did that seal it home on my take on that bullshit? Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess you really don't like performance uh, social media meatloaf. So... I guess uh, we don't really have a lot more left for uh, for the podcast. We really have our, our question of the week. Um, so our question of the week for this week is, should you wear a like a lifting belt when you lift weights? Uh, weight belt versus no weight belt. So everybody likes their hot topics and buttons, and everybody's got their opinion. Um, with a weight belt, here's my stance. We, I am a blend of weight belt and non-weight belt. I believe when you're first starting to learn how to do lift heavy things, you should not wear a weight belt. Uh, the benefits of not wearing a weight belt, internal core stabilization and all of that, you know, great stuff. And I get it. And then you, what you hear is you're not wearing a weight belt when you pitch. Well, you're not fucking picking up 500 pounds when you pitch anyways. Am I right? Do you do you put the hex bar on the fucking mound and fucking bang out some reps? Oh, that's not how you throw a ball? No. So what NES does is, is we go unloaded with the weight belt until you go heavy. So here's a crazy concept. Why the fuck are we wearing a weight belt? Uh, to not hurt yourself. Because what we're not in the, in, the, in the world of is hurting people, sports performance. So we go unbelted for... In the beginning, tens, eight, sixes. Once you get lower than five reps, I generally have people put a weight belt on. Hey, some people, if they don't want to wear a weight belt, I'm not going to force feed it on them. But we use it for safety. So for me, not everyone has perfect mobility. Not everyone has the amount of core strength and stabilization that they need when they get to the point of heavy deadlifting. So... I could either A, be like, no weight belt. I could be the no weight belt asshole. Sure, no weight belt. Great. And then the guy fucking tweaks his back deadlifting because of mobility or strength issues. Oh, Ned, well, why don't you uh, get all that right before you have him do it? Because I'm on a fucking timeline and there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many months and there's only so many years before we have to hit numbers. What I do know is training maximal strength and lifting heavy maximal strength transfers over to sport than more than fucking anything you could ever do maximal strength transfers over if you want to throw harder if you want to run faster if you want to jump higher you have to lift heavy weights it's not netology google it so if i'm going through that process and i have a guy unloaded and they do a one rep max and they fucking hurt their back or they blow up their back well that's great. And what the hell? And then their season's done. Or they're, they've tweaked their back. If it's heavy, we know it's on the back end the last couple months before the season starts. 
but great. So now we've gotten you to this point, and then you have an injury, and then we have to piss away three weeks to six months if you herniate a disc um, on rehab. And that's not – we don't get to boxes. We all know that we're on timetables. I got to throw this hard by this year. I got to be this weight by this year. I have to do this by this year to get to the point where I can get to college, and then you're on a college timeline, and you have to do specific things to get to the pro level, and then it just goes on. So the answer is um, you should use a blend of belts and not using belts. If you have perfect mobility and have perfect core stabilization and you don't want to wear a belt and you've never been hurt and you don't have an injury history and everything is fine, then don't wear a belt. But if a guy puts on a belt and he feels more secure and he's fine, I'm able to work the legs maximal strength-wise. So I get the benefit of that. And I don't have to worry about them getting hurt. So, I don't know. To me, it seems pretty... It seems like a good idea, Dicky. Pretty good throw in there. Yeah, I use a belt. I'm not going to hurt my back deadlifting. Then I can't throw for whatever weeks. And then there goes my development of however much time I put into that. So, I'd rather throw on the belt for my whatever... 10 reps that I'm going to do in the weight room, get the max strength on the legs, which is what I'm trying to work. Yeah, you're working core stability too, but there's also but we train core, core exercises yes. that train stability and strength and movement of the core so you don't have to tack on something else extra in an exercise that's not specifically for core stability and you're trying to work your lower body and maximum strength. So why not put it on just to be safe and not kill your back because you're not. Your sport isn't deadlifting. Your sport is baseball or football or whatever it is. Justin? Yeah, I think to kind of reiterate the most important point of what you said, I think, is really just we're not belting up doing 135 deadlifts for a strong individual. I mean, yeah, if you're PRing at 135 if you're a 12-year-old kid, sure, maybe you're going to belt up or something. But I think going through your submax um sets without a belt is going to do that core strengthening that you were looking for and then when we're going to pr deadlift you throw a belt on and you do your one rep max you get in get out and you don't hurt yourself and it's just like anything else you you don't want to have anything hinder your ability to be on the field because it doesn't matter how strong you are it doesn't matter how big you look it doesn't matter how shredded you are if you're not healthy on the field you're not going to progress. You're not going to play. You're not going to hit the goals that you need to to get to where you want to be. Believe it or not, generally everything that you do in here requires core stabilization. Crazy. You do a one arm row. You got stable, and you're doing hundred. Not a bird dog row. Not a bird dog row. Fuck, Fuck that bird shit. dog rows. Uh, that was going to be the other question and answer, but I feel like this podcast has been a solid ass hour and fifteen minutes. Keep what do we got going. on time, Tay? Keep it going. Maybe two. Two hours? Keep it rolling. So. He can edit. He can just. So. Might have to pay him double, but. No. <laughs> we got donuts. Right right we haven't even talked about donuts yet. <clears throat> we haven't talked about donuts. It's because I couldn't eat it. Donuts, get ups, bird dog rows. Um, belts. So. The big takeaway is this is not a bodybuilding or a powerlifting competition. You're, you do activate the core and generally a whole bunch of things. You want to get your core stronger, do some core. That's another thing. College training and conditioning, they do very little core. Or some universities have completely taken core out. What they want you to do is they want you to multitask. 
So they want you to not wear a belt and do a one rep max, and they want you to front squat. So they're trying to develop your core stability because you pitch all the time, you know, holding 300 pounds, you know, in this position. So that completely transfers over. So in co- the, this goes back to the college training and conditioning. Why are people like this? Because they are creating lists and having you do things to try and multitask. So multitasking, I read something that multitasking isn't good, uh, but I'm a big multitasker. But it's like by doing the front squat, we get to strengthen the core and legs. Now we don't have to do core. Part of these things are being designed because this is what they get. You got 32 teams, you got, you know, 60 minute time blocks and you have to go two days a week. What are things that are going to get the shaft? Flexibility, mobility, core work. The first thing you're going to fucking ask. Don't call whatever the hell you guys did in college a warm up because that wasn't a warm up. So what they're doing, yeah, rub your nipples and your hip flexors and fucking 30 seconds you're ready to go. So uh to me it's a there's a lot of different reasons why i think people do it but that's the reason why people front squat got to get the core just fucking do a core exercise got to wear a belt core just do a core exercise and everything else that we're doing and assuming you're not just moving around from machine to machine um core is integrated literally i think maybe into like 95 percent of the shit that you do you have to engage your core to fucking prevent yourself from being injured so just do core shit spend longer in the gym but you can't do that if you're in college or anything addition. Bird dog rose. If anybody knows, that's our next thing on the extended Q&A. Uh, when you look at a bird dog row, if anybody doesn't know, that would be where you get on the bench with a knee and a hand. And I believe the back leg, one back leg is straight and the other arm is rowing. The problem with bird dog rows is it's not a back exercise. So it says row, but... In order to get a response from a weight, you have to lift a heavy enough weight. And because you are balancing and trying to stabilize your core, I mean, can you do 125-pound bird dog rows? No. No. So you need more ground support and able to put your body in a position to make your back maximally work. So if I am doing something in a position with with a 35-pound dumbbell, it is no longer a pull and it's no longer a main left and it's no longer in an auxiliary left a bird dog row is a core stabilization exercise so if you are doing a bird dog row is a main pull exercise you're doing nothing you're burning calories and you're basically substituting must be a download week you're substituting your main pull lift with a core exercise and if you're doing NES that's redundant because you're already we superset our main lifts with a core and a corrective so basically that cycle if you do a bird dog row in an NES workout with the core you're doing a core a core and a corrective and for our muscles I want to generally achieve max strength whether that's heavy pushing heavy pulling and lower body heavy pushing and heavy pulling you get zero response you're doing nothing by doing a bird dog row you're activating your core which is great but we already do that we already went over 95 percent of the time if you're doing a good program you're going to be activating core and all the shit that you're doing unless you're doing a <laughs> nautilus circuit from 1970 which if you're doing that you really have a whole bunch more problems 
is this a crazy concept? Does this make sense for the people that, that are listening or the people that are in the room that you can't fucking get stronger doing 30-pound rows? Or don't forget the the push-up. Remember, you see the people do the push-up to row? Oh, Multitask, yeah. push and pull. Why wouldn't I just do that? Did you know that if I did those, then I wouldn't have to do an extra exercise and my lifts would be 20 minutes shorter Therefore, people would be done earlier, which would fuel into lazy people. I could do twice as many groups. If I just did shit like that, I would save 10 to 15 hours a week to have to spend with my family. I would close more people because the workouts would be an hour. This, I mean, this is great. This row to a, this, this push up to a row. I know you've seen it. I actually haven't seen the push-up to I've row. I've seen it, yeah. Dick, you do it right now. Do the push-up to a row. <laughs> you know what it looks like. It's a push-up. You're holding I, the dumbbells. Oh, I could, I could imagine, yeah. It's on all so those 30-minute workout down, videos on YouTube and whatever. Dumbbells. Yeah. Push-up. Mm. Push-through. Row. row. Down. But have you seen um, the ones that row. you row and then open up all the way and then come back down to a pull? That sounds really like Because then that's core prehab and a pull. Really really Add that's a rotation it. into it. <laughs> Baseball. Do the push-up. Do the push-up row with rotation, and you get the whole the whole cycle. You get in one exercise. I could make my groups forty-five minutes, make another thirty-five percent profit, get another five hours of time with my family. I don't know how you can go wrong. It sounds like an all-in-one multi-tool that it, you can use, that you should start implementing. It's an exercise buffet. You get everything <laughs> that you everything that you need, and you're just fucking wasting time. Because you're going to do this shit, and then you're going to come to me in two years. Hey, man, i got to throw fucking 10 miles, an harder, 10 miles an hour harder in three months. What have you been doing? Bird dog rows and fucking push-up rows. Well, great. Well, fuck. It's on me now that you decided to do this fucking bullshit? What other bullshit? Turkish get-ups. Turkish get-up. The fucking Turkish get-up. This thing has been around for for 20 years even though people are posting it right now and we're like oh this is innovative the trends are running back shoulder stability uh just a, it's a big pain in the ass they're hard to do they're uncomfortable they're fucking unnecessary because you're in the turkish get-up position all the time when you're throwing and when you're hitting hip extension shoulder stability <laughs> core stability rotation you, you get like five things i should just warm people up do Turkish get up, supersetted with bird dog rows, and can you give me another one? I can get these fuckers out in twenty minutes. <laughs> Turkish get up completely. I mean, a you have to have crazy mobility to be able to do it the right way. Yes, they're trying to the way that you get in the position. It gives you the glute activation. It gives you the core activation. It gives you that overhead shoulder stability that makes my shoulders hurt just by fucking looking at it. Um, how about a how about a row to an RDL with the cable in front of you? Ever seen that one? Uh, I've seen that. Why don't we do some lunge lunge to curls? We can do. Why don't we just call this functional training? Because and you and light dumbbells. Good news for all you people that don't want to pony up and fucking buy real equipment and have like you know real weight because you could just all these things. You don't even need more than like thirty pounds, so you could just get little dumbbells and multitask your exercises and do three things at one time and you can get done even faster you can do it in your own house 
this is the perfect thing for remote training because who has 90 pound dumbbells at their house i do but that's the biased opinion so yeah all these things are being designed and created it's frou-frou bullshit um to get you to pay the 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 subscription price to eventually and keep in mind the problem is this is one more thing before we wrap up uh when you look at the problem with remote training is it's one what's more valuable than the 99 dollars or 29 dollars that you're paying per month to do these things what you're losing which is invaluable is your time it's your off season off seasons are the most important thing so if you go and do something that doesn't work you can't get that season back you can't get that year back and you become a year behind if you go do blank and blank remote training and it doesn't work for your sophomore year in high school and you're throwing whatever 82 or you're hitting the ball fucking 87 off the tee or whatever you're doing if you go and make that decision to do that for a period of time you can't get that time back and time is more valuable than whatever the fuck you're paying. Time is more valuable than the money that you would pay to go to NES. And it's way more valuable than the nominal amount of money that you're paying for the remote training. Time is the... You cannot waste time. You cannot waste an off-season. I mean, you guys are in year 7 and 9. And, it, and if you floundered through and tried something else, what if it doesn't work? That's no good. Lose that, a year? That's another year. And it might be the year because everybody's got different leashes. And this is more talking from you guys. Dickie, you're 27. Did I get that right? Yep. Just turned. And Justin is 23. Now, there are some people that, if especially you're a pro guy. This is the craziest thing. Met your brother. Your brother was fucking doing Planet Fitness. He was working out at Planet Fitness before this whole process. Um, for him, he was in college at the time. Yeah. Um, but to have an off season in college to where you, you do something and you miss the time block, like that messes everything up. Maybe just maybe if your brother went to me when you started going to me and wasn't at planet fitness, he would have got your brother should have been drafted. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, I knew that your brother (laughs) should have been drafted. So it's in our blood. We I can. mean, we can call, you know, planet, planet fitness and remote. We'll put those on, but you're doing things on your own. And when you're in college and you're doing things on your own, if you're in high school, it's the, the difference between your brother. Well, your brother didn't get developed at St. John's. Ooh, I said it. St. John's university. Call me up. Love the pitching coach. Love the old pitching coach. Who's the old pitching coach. Shout out to Gordon. moose. Yep. Love Moose. Love Moose. But your brother, if he did the right things beforehand, he he would have been drafted because he was a grown-ass man when I got him. It wasn't like, oh, he had a growth spurt or, oh, he hit puberty. So I believe if I was St. John's strength and conditioning coach for your brother's junior and senior year, I feel that he would have thrown more than 88 to 90 and he would have been drafted. And I don't think that's fair because he performed well enough all Big East, I think, junior year. Yeah, all Big East, all region, everything. So he, because of his wrong decisions and the lack of development in college training and conditioning, he got the shaft. And now, look, I know you hate people that get drafted because you didn't get drafted. But 
I mean, it would have been cool for for your brother to get. I mean, that's a cool. Justin, you've been drafted. It's pretty cool. That's cool. It's a fun. It's a fun process. And ultimately, it worked out for your brother. But how many other people are like your brother that have the work ethic and have the frame and the base genetic code that aren't that uh, that aren't getting that opportunity because maybe there was another guy on that team that was similar to him that didn't get drafted and instead they decided to wrap it up but could have been prevented so the biggest problem that i have with remote training is not the nominal amount of money that they want to get from thousands of people so they don't have to work and make all the bank it's the time that's lost in an off season i feel like that's this this is fitting to wrap this up because these guys are in their off season and we're talking about off season training. Don't make the mistake in your off season and be like, Hey, let me try this out because tinkering around and toying around, unless it's NES, because time is the most valuable thing. Everybody's on a timetable. Dickie's 27. Now, uh, Justin is 23. Your brother's even older. And some people have shorter strings when they get to the professional level. There's an unnamed person that, that word on the street is, I mean, he maybe have a season or two. And if he doesn't make the appropriate adjustments, he might be out, out of the system. Cause you don't, they're not just going to keep you there. Cause they like you for years. You have to produce. Don't you have to produce? Yep. So yeah. the good news is this, this individual, uh, hopefully we have made the appropriate adjustments this, this weekend or, or this off season and he's going to make it and i think he's going to make it and i think he's going to do great but we're not going to say his name but he was brought up in a different podcast so don't waste your time and tinkering with remote training and new things all i do is get people that walk in here and be like everyone has done it i haven't had the last 10 baseball players that walked in have not done this specific program the last 10 have done it this guy's making a lot of money a lot of money yeah, I, uh, I think that's probably going to do it for this episode of the NES Experience. Really, I guess it all just comes down to being accountable, being responsible, getting in and doing your work. And uh, yeah, just, uh, I guess, stay off the social media performance meatloaf. And one more thing before we go, fuck St. John's. Their student section, um, this is not a joke. I fucking hate that school. Their student section tried to kidnap me when I was nine years old at a basketball game after their undefeated season because none of their players could make a fucking foul shot. Delonte West, fucking homeless. Fuck that guy. Fuck that school. I hate them all. Um, it's the NES experience. <laughs>